Hello, and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. I have been waiting to do this episode with Dylan for ages, but anything that I was planning at the end of last year, I'm like, nah, I'm going to give it like a couple of weeks break. So I have to plan everything in advance. And finally, I got him on. And luckily, I do have him for almost 90 minutes. So we are going to dig very deep into just how much women's physiology is different to males when it comes to, I guess, fat loss, but also just the overall process and phasing in and out to get the end result. And it's going to kind of back off the last two episodes where most advice out there is great, but just not for you. And then we're going to go into some training stuff and how working on yourself is actually the most fundamental part. And by that, I mean the internal work because you can have all your clogs, I should say cogs lined up, but the engine is the belief in yourself. The engine is the way that your brain functions, the way that you, you go about your day-to-day life inside your own head. So with that, I'm going to let Dylan take it away and kind of introduce it as more what he usually sees with his female clients when they first come to him, how they are always chasing, I want to lose weight, I want to get leaner, I want to look better, I want to just chasing scale numbers and how shifting your focus to building muscle and getting stronger is probably the most pivotal part in the whole piece. And then talk about women's physiology inside of that. Sure. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been a while. We've been talking about doing this. It's, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's valuable for the listeners, but um, I work with, I mean, well, in general, we, we as an industry work with more women than men. And I think that that is proof that women's physiology is a little bit different because there's more need for women to have help. You know, like a lot of males can like accidentally get jacked, you know, like 50% of the male population can like accidentally kind of just eat somewhat okay and start lifting weights and they progress really fast. Women, on the other hand, um, are a lot more susceptible to stressors um, and not so much susceptible, but they're susceptible to downregulation issues if they're exposed to too much stress for too long. And we forget that everything is a stress, right? So taking it back to how you kind of introduced the question, anytime I see a lot of, you know, young all the way up to like middle-aged females, the goal is usually being wrapped around some kind of nonsense metric, like scale weight, clothing size, X amount of pounds lost in X amount of time. That's how the goals are being framed. And I mean, we really don't have time to dig into why I think that is that it's societal pushed and from a young age, like, you know, it's, it's been being pushed that way for a long time. And we kind of can get an understanding of why that is. It's not super important to me. Why, to be honest, because it's not anything to do with my job, you know, like the whys of how things get there is not really um, what I focus on. It's how to optimize and help people fix problems once they've already occurred. Right. So we're like a, you know, a middle line of defense, so to speak. But when, yeah, so usually it's always wrapped up around these, these, these not really progressible measures of, of information. Um, 
And it's usually a lot of work to me for me to start um, getting females to think about not to sacrifice the future for the instant present gratification, right? So it's like, okay, you've already dieted three times this last year. Two of them were a failure. And you want to do it again. You want to lose 20 pounds for your wedding in 16 weeks or like whatever this event is that's come up. You know, you start to have to explain to them like, hey, you need a restoration phase. You need a phase where we like balance out your hormones and let your body chill because you've put it through two stressful situations and they were not successes, obviously, which is why you're here. And that's hard on people psychologically. And we don't, in the industry, we don't take that into account very well. I don't think that like everything is a stress, right? So whether it's eating in a massive caloric surplus, whether it's eating in a caloric deficit, whether it's training, and then we don't take into account all of our life stress and current situation. And, you know, hell, the last two years, everyone on earth has pretty much had a different look at the world than they had two years prior to that, you know, with the, with the pandemic kind of going on. So there's been a lot of stress and females are really susceptible to hormone downregulation, metabolic adaptation in a negative sense. Um, and we're seeing a lot of females overtraining uh, and overworking themselves sort of like that go, go, go mentality, you know, like six days a week and then a cardio day and trying to lift weights. And my goal as a coach is to just get people with onto ideas that they can progress and follow for very long periods of time. So we'll sit down and it's like, okay, I know you said you could go to the gym six days a week, which I don't think is optimal anyway, but even if it was, let's set you at four so that we're making sure that the quality of training is high. And we're making sure that your body has adequate rest and we can start there and progress, right? Like I find a lot of people progress from the top down, which is just a mess. A lot of the time you can start very slow, especially if you're not doing much. And especially if you're going from not doing much to having professional help. In my opinion, there's a, you know, if you get, if you, if you start working with a professional, you're just going to see results faster because you most people um i mean i do coach a lot of other coaches and stuff at this point but most in intermediate beginner clients they don't know how little they actually know you know compared to a very skilled coach you know they might look at a problem and see one or two potential tools and or metrics to solve that problem as where an experienced coach would look at that same problem and have like 20 or 30 different tools to potentially combat and you know uh, work around that problem. So there's a lot of low hanging fruit for people to pick off. You know, you start getting people to like manage their steps, consistently track their food, focus on getting stronger in the gym. Um, you know, not just chasing sort of like how hard you can work. And I, so in my, um, one of the reasons why I think about some things differently, I think, is because we talked a little bit before we hit record here about how a lot of the advice in the industry comes from like athletes and bodybuilders, which is really good because we do want to be like the people that are the best at what they do. It's important to know what they're doing because you can't just say that it's not useful information. However, it doesn't mean that it's all immediately applicable to every step down the ladder, right? So myself, I was like, an obese nerdy child and man my entire life you know like I was not an athlete I was super overweight and 
that I think allows me to look at things a little bit differently. And I've spent a lot of my time learning about uh, as much about like neuroscience and animal behavior and psychology as I have fitness. And I use a lot of those tools inside of my coaching, you know, and sometimes what bothers me is in the industry, uh, we're coaching women like they're just small men a lot of the times. And that's a, something that I'm meeting like clients and other the coaches that I work with on my roster to stop doing that. You know, like all you have to do, like people forget that we are a species. We're actually a mammal that evolved. We're not just like some creation of a computer. So if you look at any other mammal species on the planet, any single one, you know, there's different roles and different skill sets that are taken even between the genders of the species, right? If you look at a pack of lions, the female lions do most of the light to moderate work that is very repetitive. They do a lot of the stalking, a lot of the chasing. And then when it's time to take down a massive prey, that's when the male lions are useful. And they're mostly useful for that, reproducing and keeping away other male lions. So they don't have many skills or many uh, jobs, let's say, or tasks, but they do have very different outlooks of their life. And just like women and men do in general, right? It's very cool because now, um, and I don't mean that men, men can't do things women can and vice versa. It's just that our physiology, if we ignore the fact that our physiology is different and is going to take on different stress under the same circumstances between a male and a woman, we have to plan for that. And if we understand it, then we can sort of create the strategies to mitigate that extra stress and or work around you, right? So, Yeah, it's it, like everything we want now in life is man-made if we think about it that way. Like we, we chase finances, we chase like physique goals and none of that is actually like our body is it naturally going in that direction? Our body doesn't know that we want to look better. All it knows is that we want to survive as a species. And because we're the ones that reproduce, we're the ones that have to look after the family, it's really important that out of everyone, us as females are acknowledging the patience that we need to get to the end result because our bodies adapt fast. And it's like, if it was that simple, don't you think that you'd be walking around and everybody would have some beach body? But in today's environment, because money is such a big thing, people do whatever they can to sell their products. I'm not talking about weight loss products. I'm talking about Maccas, I'm McDonald's because you don't know Australian slang, <laughs> Maccas. <laughs> I'm talking about like the fast food joints that are literally everywhere now. We want convenience. Like, yeah, yeah. And I remember there being a study where there was like, you need to move more. And like the more that you move, the more that you burn, blah, blah, blah. But the reason that they adapted so fast was because they weren't feeding it. Like if you want to do a lot of work, you need to also feed that. And where I wanted to tie that in is where you mentioned the overtraining. And it's like, overtraining is relative. Like overtraining isn't really a thing. The reason that it exists as a term is like what Dylan said, we, we don't live as robots. We're not computers. We have a lot of different things that impact how we show up on a day-to-day -day basis, meaning 
we are under-recovered, therefore we are overtraining simply because our body's already stressed out going into that session. And if we're stressed out going into that session, whatever we train on top of that is typically overtraining for our body because we just had a lifestyle of whatever we were doing with our jobs, which like we are now doing a lot more as women, which is amazing, but we're still failing to realize that we have evolved as a, like not as a human race. I'm not talking about like the animal kingdom anymore. I'm talking about we have, we have evolved as a society where women are actually becoming more like men in terms of we're taking a lot more responsibilities. Like, yeah, in some places, maybe we're not as favorably chosen over men, but the thing is we are now like a lot further ahead yet. We're still trying to take that domestic role at home. So not only are we overworking in the workplace, but we're overworking in the home environment. And then we want to train on top of that. We want to diet on top of that. Like that shit is so crucial to keep in mind. But you put up a post about this, and this is where I want you to take the next rabbit hole, is many people know deep down that they need a change. And they still repeat the same habits. They still fall asleep fall for the same quick fixes. They still think that XYZ supplement is going to help them. They still put themselves through the same painful, exhausting cycle more often than anything. And they don't realize that, yeah, it's amazing on paper. Yeah, you're going to get results in 12 weeks on paper. But how does that apply to your life? And what's going to happen after? And the next time you go into the next fallows phase, don't forget all those adaptive mechanisms. Your body remembers how to diet. It's going to remember the stresses you put upon it. So it's going to adapt even harder every single time because it's learned that. So maybe you can like talk about that part now. Yeah, for sure. So I think the post you're referencing was a couple of days ago that I made. And it was just because I work with people, you know, long enough. I, I, I go through weeks of doing my job and then I can see patterns. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people that are seem to be struggling with this. And the concept is something like this. It's just really easy to make justifications as to why you should double down on the same faulty tools and use of faulty tools that have not worked in the past and or a justification to do nothing. Like as if someone or something needs to be placed into your life to make progress forward. So like as an example, we hear a lot of times like, oh, well, when I get done school, then I'll have my full-time job and I'll, ha- I'll know my hours and I won't have homework. So then like, I'll be able to make a routine to go to the gym. I'm telling you right now that there is no point in most people's life where things will just kind of work really easy. Like, I, I don't know if I'm, I could be alone here or more alone than, than, um, you know, than, I, than I've understood, but I think like as far as your fitness goes, because so understanding a little bit about psychology and understanding a little bit about some of the societal effects that have gone on in the last 50 years, especially into our food systems. I think people need to start thinking about exercise and nutrition like it's their number one do or die thing. Like, I don't think you can just sort of like, well, hopefully I like one of these spin classes and hopefully I find something I like. This was something I used to say to people, like, you know, just try something, try some things and eventually you'll like something. And I find that that was maybe a naive perception as a young person. 
because I would say that a lot of the people aren't going to, and I'm air quoting this to my, my fingers here, but like aren't going to like every minute of their exercising. You know, like obviously there's things we prefer than others, but this has a purpose. You know, like we've seen it over the last two years and I've been woken up to this. We're like, the, our overall health is not good. If we were getting a report card as a globe, as a society, and hell, like I'm in North America where it's probably the worst, um, we are not, we're getting like a D minus, you know, uh, as a whole for our overall metabolic and just mental health. It's not good. So we need to start thinking about these things as not as like optional, <laughs> like, you know, like we evolved to work you know, like it wasn't that long ago, like two or three people ago, you know, like that's not that long. Like most of our grandparents, you know, like they lived a very different life on earth. And, you know, sometimes people accuse me of talking too much about the past. And it's like, well, no, I understand that people aren't going to haul their water out of a well now and stuff because we don't have to. So I, I get all that. But if you don't take that into account ever and understand how that's going to influence the present, I think we're missing out on some, some tools, right? So like not sacrificing the future for the present is something I work very hard at my, with my clients, specifically females to give up. It's like, Hey, maybe we're not going to lose weight for like beyond a six or eight months, like on the scale, but maybe I can double the, the load of all your lifts. And this is quite common. And maybe we can improve the form like 50%. Maybe we can get your blood glucose like 25% um, more regulated, better regulated. Maybe we can get your resting heart rate down 10 or 15 beats per minute. Maybe we can improve your sleep quality. Maybe your cycle won't be so horrendous because it's actually got nutritional support, you know, and all these maybes. And that's why I focus on a lot of those metrics because knowing a little bit about psychology, um, I know that people drive most of their positive emotion from moving towards a perceived target of value not actually getting the thing so but we oftentimes think like okay i'm gonna lose this 10 pounds and then i'll have what i want and or be happy or 20 pounds like whatever the the kind of the my benign goal that we we see being set and it's like actually no it's taking responsibility and moving with tactfulness um towards the goal of value in a sustainable manner and one that you can maintain and sustain those results that you've gotten over time not just get them and have them slip through your fingers like quicksand because that's what most people do right they rush through to the finish line and they haven't built the structure that can sustain the trip so it just burns up going through the atmosphere you know at about 12 16 weeks things start to fall apart whether that's just extreme calories or you know under recovery or any of these things that could be a roadblock in someone's journey um you know, and we just need to do better at setting people up for a little bit longer of an expectation. And it's some of the industry's fault. You know, like I take my own bias in this because like, you know, when I'm posting clients and stuff, I post the clients that get really jacked in 16 or 20 weeks, you know, and I, and I try to share all kinds of cases. And I think I do a pretty good job of that, but like a lot of people don't. And even myself, like I'm not perfect, right? There's a lot of cases like I have multiple health cases. I work a lot with metabolic cases. So like Saibo, Hashimoto's, you know, autoimmune diseases. A lot of those people, they work very hard for a year 
and see almost literally no physical progression because of their health state. And, you know, it's so hard to get people to give up one year of like, quote unquote, losing weight or eight months to benefit the rest of their life, like 10,000 fold. So that's how much we are designed to want instant gratification versus, you know, casting off some of that gratification into the future. It's really hard. I do want to say just there, this is exactly why I mentioned at the start that it is so important to put the inner work first, because if you, like, like you said, the training and the exercise is the pivotal thing you need to focus on, not only for your health, but for everything else in life. But the thing is, if you need to train a certain way and have your nutrition in a certain direction, it's not always going to be bells and rainbows and sunshines. And this is why you need to find happiness outside of that. Otherwise, you're going to sabotage yourself in both binge eating, overeating, falling for friggin' junk food wherever you can because you're trying to quell a hole in your life. You always will go to the nutrition, the exercise for that. That's how I fell into my disordered eating. I felt like it was the only part of my life that I could control. And because I have an obsessive tendency, like there was no way I was going to get out of that eating disorder. There was no way I was going to fix myself to a point where I was going to avoid close death if I didn't shift the focus. I couldn't just stop going that way. I needed to place that obsession elsewhere. So I placed it into the gym, but my focus was on becoming and building my best self because shifting focus, which as you know, with psychology is a lot more powerful than stopping something, than starting something. It's a shift because it's taking something you already know and feel comfortable in and applying some part of that to another area of your life. And like the health part, which is where I'm going to stem back into your train of thought is you can't optimize your physique or your life or live a long life or expect to not look like one of those. If you're watching the video, one of those old grannies with their hunched over back and then they're, they're frailing with everything. Like you're going to be that person. You're going to be that senile person who has like memory loss, all that stuff. If you don't optimize your health first, because You can offset that disease. You can minimize the impact that aging has on your body by looking after your exercise, by looking after your nutrition. So this is why the health markers matter for those that do not know about the blood glucose mattering. Like I I may not be asking people for their blood glucose because you get that in your blood test, but your heart rate, that shit matters too because any time that any of these factors are out of line your blood pressure that one i do try to get people to get it's a stress on your body and if you have this stress on your body you're not going to be able to build muscle properly or burn fat properly and you're not going to be able to eat more food and build up your metabolism and you're not going to be able to enjoy the carbs enjoy the chocolate enjoy the ice cream without it having a negative impact on your health because your body's going to respond to it in a more exaggerated way because it hasn't built those buffers of health back to you yeah, well, that's a good point because a lot of the females I work with who's to buy in, let's say, because we've talked enough about how it's difficult to get someone to buy into this kind of way of thinking for a variety of reasons. Once they do, because this might be a more effective way to explain it, 
some of the benefits, like there's so many benefits, you know, like all of a sudden, maybe, you know, you're, you're feeding someone properly and they're recovering properly and they figured out how to train with a lot of quality and not just quantity. So maybe it's less, less quantity, but way higher quality, whether that be intensity, whether that be forms load, probably all they're working with me anyway. And, um, what that does is it just simply put, it just sort of makes your body adapt. Um, like Ruby said, and, and does things a little differently, how you, how you, you know, um, how you convert the glucose from the food that you're eating, how you feel, how you sleep, how your cycle is going to, you know, perform for you in a month. Um, sort of what happens when you go out and have a, you know, like a nice dinner out with your significant other or something, you know, all of a sudden you went out for a nice dinner, you ate what you wanted, you didn't stress about it. And, you know, the scale goes up two pounds and then two days later, it's back to normal. That's a healthy functioning metabolism. The thing is, is I had every eating disorder in the book and I did the bikini girl diets. You know, I lost 150 pounds and I didn't do a lot of it very, uh, not the way I would try to tell someone to do it now, put it to you that way. But I would be that person that would like go and eat like not that bad, you know, I would go for dinner and, you know, have a nice size dinner and, um, you know, a beverage and I would be up like eight pounds. My metabolism would just freak out. <laughs> Two of it would stay forever. <laughs> you know, so like that's how metabolically downregulated a person can get. And once they start to be able to see that, like, man, my physique, the scale number, cause I'm notorious now. I have enough clients that at least locally, I'll take someone and they don't, they, I'm really good at, at recomping people. So like they'll weigh more after uh, six or eight months of working together or around the same, maybe slightly less. But if I put the two pictures side by side, most people would tell me that, you know, they would prefer the heavier physique, not knowing that if it was heavier, they would have said not for themselves. <laughs> you know, like it's weird how you can show someone a picture and you're like, tell me which one, like, what do you think looks better? almost anyone will point to the one that's, um, you know, in better shape or, or has a little bit more muscle mass and density, unless we're talking like outrageous bodybuilder stuff, but I'm just talking general, you know, fitness kind of muscled people. Um, almost everyone will pick the, the little heavily muscled one with a little bit more definition and the stronger physique and not, not knowing that it's probably the heavier. See, I, th I think this is something that you can touch on and I might actually get this girl to listen to it as well. But um, like, People have an ideal of what they want their body to not look like and look like. Like, I don't want to have these dimples on the back of my legs. I don't want to have this cellulite on my legs. I want legs like yours. Like, I have a lot of people saying, how do you get legs like yours? And they're in a place where all they're trying to do is diet. They're not realizing that, may you actually need to feed up. I may not look like I'm eating a freaking lot, but I did at one point get to a point where I looked like I had more fat than muscle because I was actually going through the phases. Like I've been doing this for seven years. How long have they been doing it for? Like to get that body that you want, it has a lot more muscle on that frame. Muscle weighs something. And the same amount in, in like look of fat and muscle, the muscle weighs a lot more. Like one pound is a pound, but this pound is that big and the muscle pound is smaller. So think of it that way. And muscle actually gives you the right shape. I did a proof on this ages ago where the more fat mass you have, that's the rumply stuff. 
And I'm pretty sure that at one point I had little dimples on the back of, backs of my legs. But the more muscle that I built, the more the muscle pushed against the skin and it created that tight effect. That is something you need to realize. If you want to get rid of cellulite on your legs, you need to build a shitload more muscle there because your legs are the coldest place to live. And cold things don't burn fat well. Build a lot more muscle there and they're going to be pretty damn warm. Like my legs get vascular when it's hot. That's the muscle mass that I've got in my legs. That is why people say, I want your legs. Yeah, well, why are you dieting so much? Why are you so... This is the thing that I always hear. My clothes are getting too big. My jeans are getting, I mean, my clothes are getting too small. My jeans are getting too small. They're not fitting around my legs. I'm like, you need to build the muscle, which means they're not going to fit in your jeans. But when you go flaunting your body in the bedroom naked, or when you go flaunting your body on the beach in a bikini, you're going to look like hot shit. Like what, like you need to be willing to understand the process that gets to the body that you want. You need to know what it takes. And Trust us both when we say this, chronically dieting is not going to get you there, especially as a female, because we will actually put on a lot more fat than a chronically dieting male who just looks, sorry to say, but anorexic. <laughs> like it's, yeah. like you, you literally just look like a skeleton when you're a dieting male over dieting because that's the way it goes. And yes, that is exactly what the Auschwitz people were. They were all males and that's what they compare females to. That literally just clicked now. I've never realized that before. But it is so much easier to get to that state of being as a male. Like, yeah, okay, we will get there. That's why I was there. But it's a lot different when you bring in yeah. other life stresses. It's a lot different when you're trying to build muscle. You will look like that scorny person, but it's a lot different. So I'll let you explain why. Yeah, well, one of the one of the things that I actually <clears throat> I pulled up on my phone because I, I have some notes in my phone that I send to clients when they first start up with me only because I have dealt with the same sort of interjections or, you know, um, people putting stop signs up for so long. I've written up things so well to be able to kind of, how do you say, uh, overcome their objections, you know, like ahead of time, knowing that they're going to happen. So like anytime I sign up a female, you know, I say, uh, I, I, I'll read this too. So it says, we, we have to feed the goal. In my experience, most people say they want to lose weight and tone up. That's an oxymoron because it's sort of impossible slash not exactly what they want. I'm not sure of too many people who look in the mirror and say, you know what? I love the shape of my body. I wish it was just smaller, like exactly the same, just smaller. Take a water balloon and fill it up as much as you can. Now look at it. Take a quarter of the water out. Still looks the same. It's just 25% smaller. Folks actually want to change most times. And that means building muscle. Building muscle requires a progressive stimulus and calories. I love that. Like, if you're looking towards athletes, you need to realize that they're actually fueling their goals. Like, I was, when I was doing my half marathon training, maybe we can both bring in some of our experiences with this because I think people just let things go. I've realized people let things go over their head until you bring in your own experience. But when I was training for my half marathon, yeah, okay, I was running 40 kilometers a week, but I was eating a shit ton of food. And my carbs, I'm not even running anymore. And I'm actually eating more carbs now than I was back then. 
because my training warrants it. You need to train. I mean, you need to match your nutrition to your training. Like people think that they're two different separate elements. No, no, then they're really not. Like your nutrition needs to match both your lifestyle and your training. And then the in-between is what your goal is. But like my carbs are 400 grams almost now. I just upped them to 380. And when I was doing my half marathon training, they're around 320. Like I'm on this, I was actually having a lot more protein then. But the thing is, it's like, it's, you go for, you go through phases, you go through seasons and there are like, yes, I was doing 40 kilometers of running a week, but I was only training in the gym three times and I had to actually have a lot more rest periods in between. And then when I had to taper for my pump, this is just putting the actual like comparison where I actually had to take half a week off to train to actually do that race because my body had to recover. Like, it's not go, go, go all the time. And the same for when I was training for powerlifting. Like I was going through periods where I had to go really intense, but I couldn't sustain that anymore. So then I had to pull it back. Yet all, all we can see is people going max effort on social media. So they feel like they need to go max effort on social media. And if you're watching the actual, whatchamacallit, if you're watching the YouTube of this, I'm just going to quickly flash a photo. So as you can see here, this is when I hated my body the most. That was when my hormones were actually really bloody, like they were they were really bad. And that's because I was overtraining. I was under eating and I'm like, oh, I still need to make weight. Fuck, I'm going to go do some more conditioning. So I was trying to add more and more to my stress load instead of actually doing what I really needed to do. But this is where the, this is why that messaging is so important. What Dylan said, because our logic, our emotion, I should say, our emotion says, "Oh shit, I need to make weight. I better do more. I better make sure that I'm eating less. I better actually do this, do this, do this to make sure that everything kind of goes with the rationality of do more, eat less." But that actually got me in a worse place a very, very bad place. And it wasn't until, like Dylan said, get a coach, it makes the process faster. I got a coach who understood physiology and psychology, told me to double my carbs, freaked the hell out, the scale went up, freaked the hell out, didn't want to up my carbs anymore, but I trusted the process. And my body started leaning up, even though the scale was like three kilos heavier. And then it just fluctuated around there. And this is why... Dylan, you said this at the very beginning, and I feel like it's super important. You said non, non, not really progress, progressible metrics. Like we, yeah. we think the scale is progressive, but if you think about it, it like for really overweight people, it's progressive in terms of yeah less, and it's so much easier to measure fat going down when you're really overweight. But when and by really overweight, I mean like looking pretty obese. Yep. The other spectrum of pretty overweight, not very overweight. Yeah, it measures progress to a point, but then now you've attached the meaning of success to it. Like, I don't know what's big over there, but like Weight Watchers here and other things that measure your wins by the number on the scale, it's really hard to let that go. It is really hard to let that go. And it's a societal thing where we just focus about some weird number we went away with, like, 
forums. Ladies, how do I lose 10 pounds? Ladies, how do I lose five kilos? Like it's all about a weight metric. And then all of a sudden that's your identity. And then what? It ruined me. It probably ruined you too. I want you to talk about some of your experience too. But what stopped me was I was so used to just seeing the weight around a certain number. I was so used to seeing the weight go down. And then as soon as it came to powerlifting, I just had to make sure that I was in the under 56s class because all I cared about was my wilks and setting the records. Like I only cared about that instant win because I wanted to set the records there and then. So I sacrificed so much of my health, so much of everything for that. Was it worth it? Yeah, cool. I I actually feel like it was because I have my names on the record still. But I had to then go into an intense health phase after, which I found incredibly difficult because my identity was still attached to that freaking 56 on the scale. Like, it's ridiculous because I'm probably, I haven't weighed myself in ages. But like every now and then I'll wait just to, just to see like where I'm at, even though it's not accurate if you just weigh yourself randomly because I probably ate too much bloody salt or some shit the day before. But the thing is, I'm actually sitting without any, that, that photo, I don't even know how much I weighed there, so I won't mention that photo, but I'm not even forcing myself to be around this weight. And the last time I weighed myself, I was 55 kilos. It was grueling for me last time. And now it's so much easier. There's not that pressure. I am eating 1,100 calories. Actually, no, sorry. 1,200 calories more than I was back there. Think about that. Probably even 1,400 calories more. And that was like, this isn't something that happens overnight. I did that in, that was, that photo was 2018. It's 2021, 2022. Holy shit. I keep getting that wrong. It's 2023 now. (laughs) Like that's eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's four years, four years of maintenance pretty much. Because after 2018, the only fat loss phase that I did was actually was weight loss because I needed to weigh less, but I did want the fat loss for my half marathon. And I lost four kilos in four weeks because my body responded like that. And I was eating 2,300 calories, not 1,300 calories. So I'll let you kind of bring yeah, in. It's, it's, I, um, I'd like to add to this a little bit. So, cause personally I had a different experience where I was just about 300 pounds and I'm only five foot six. So I'm that's not, not, that was severely obese. I was like 50 plus percent body fat most of my life. Um, and I went from talk about metabolic adaptation. So I went from 300 pounds to 141 pounds in one go right to the stage. So from obese right to a physique competition where I got absolutely dead last. And I told myself that entire time, well, I just want to do it. I just want to do it for myself. First off, if you have a um, goal, a physique goal, I think those are awesome. I think tying them to a fitness competition is really stupid because I don't care what anyone says. Getting, at least in my position, having the best physique that I had ever dreamed of having actually and couldn't even actually quite imagine being, you know, I was small and skinny, but I wasn't obese. I was shredded. And to get dead last, it's like, well, now I've attached all of my worth to that work and that come down from the 300 to the, to the, to the smaller version of me. And that was still dead last. 
in front. You know what I mean? So like that hurt me mentally. It took me some time. So then of course you want to double down on the same faulty tools, right? So just less and less. And I can remember for like three or four years straight, I would be trying to, I was quoting this, but like trying to gain muscle while eating like 15, 1800 calories as a, as a young male, you know, like it just was not near enough. I was having a lot of hormone problems. Um, you know, my energy and libido were, were trash. And the reason that this like psychologically now knowing so much better, whatever the target of value is that we pick, that's where you're going to seek positive emotion. So if you tell yourself, Hey, I want to lose 25 pounds in this amount of time. And this is why females hate checking in with coaches because they will get up in the morning, go to the scale and they're, they step on it after they use the washroom and their brain is already associating the number being lower on the scale as worth, worth something and not being lower as worthless. So if it doesn't happen, which is like a fluke that it does every, you know, when you're, even when you're dieting, it's like to get that number on your check-in day, be like lower is not always going to happen week over week. So you're setting yourself up to derive no positive emotion. Positive emotion is the thing that is going to keep you going when you don't want to, because you know that there's a delayed gratification coming because of the plan. So if you have no positive emotion, all you're relying on is willpower. And it's not if that's going to break, it's when. And that just depends person to person. Like I got, my willpower is honestly very strong. So that's why I was able to even lose that much weight and not, I actually am one of the few people, which is probably why I ended up doing this as a profession, um, to not have any regain. Like, you know, I was obese my entire life. And I thought I was supposed to be that way through my religious beliefs. And just that's the way it was because I grew up in a very small place. My whole family was obese. Everyone kind of told me like, that's how we are. That's how God made you. So like, I never tried to change it one time. Like I wasn't this, you know, 20 years, like, obviously I didn't like being obese as a young adolescent teenager, but I just thought that's the way it was. And I had to learn how to play the cards on earth that I got. And after my accident in 2011, I fell five stories and I, broke my spine and my both my heels my left ankle and my right elbow and I had like you know I was pre-diabetic I had high cholesterol you know I was like a 20 year old male and it was brutal I thought like this this is not good like I can't I'm way too young to be on a bunch of pharmaceuticals and stuff I literally started you know just doing some basic research and then I started trying to make some effort and some habit changes once I seen that I could lose some weight weight started coming off quickly once I changed some very poor habits to even great habits, but even better, you know, anything was better than what I was doing. And I realized like, holy shit, I can maybe actually do this. But I used so much willpower. And as a young single man, I, my life, like a 21 year old man, like I just had to work and worry about my apartment flat being paid and my truck, you know, like I lived by myself I didn't have a family. I didn't have a career. I had a job, you know, like the, those, that's kind of this added stress. It's called allostatic stress load where like everything in our life is a stress. And when you're trying to do this with a couple of kids and a husband or a, a career as a working woman or any, anything or man, um, you have to have a better plan. 
Otherwise, you're just really not setting yourself up for much positive emotion along the journey and or you're not really setting yourself up to own what you've gotten. You're just going to rent it and then it's going to slip away. And that's very painful for people. People are trying to chase these end results and these points in time. That's actually a really good thing that you mentioned at the start. That was the first note I took because I did the same with chasing. I did eight bodybuilding comps in two years. Eight. And yeah, it was really bad. That's that's why I ended up like that person. Like you still like yeah. you see me now. That like I'm so far from having that much belly fat. Like I hated my body so much there where I actually would never wear a crop, but I had to for the photos. Anyway, so people are trying to chase these end results, these points in time, a timeline, thinking that like they think it will help them and it will get them like this happy place, this confident place. And it's now one of my sayings where it's, I don't know, I think you do listen to Chris Willicks, um, where if you make yourself miserable on the way to a goal, you are never going to be happy there. And it's almost like yeah. having a road trip with your family and you're bickering and arguing and fighting with your husband, your partner, your kids, the whole way there. You're going to get there and you're going to feel like a sour bitch yeah. Like you wanted to get to freaking, I don't know why I feel like saying Jamaica, maybe because of manifest. <laughs> you want to get to freaking Jamaica <laughs> and you hated the whole trip there. Maybe your plane exploded and then you came back five years later. You'll get the reference if you watch manifest, but <laughs> like you're, you're going to hate that. You're going to hate that end destination because the whole journey was shit. You got yeah. sour food. All you have is a sour taste in your mouth. Regardless, like think of it in both those situations. Now you're just going to want a holiday from your holiday. You're not going to be happy there. <laughs> yeah. Think of it that way. Like, especially where like every single time I go on a holiday, which is very rare, but the last holiday I went on, which was March last year, I needed a holiday from it. I loved it. It was amazing. But, but there was so much chaos going on still. Like, we never allow ourselves to slow down. And if we don't slow down and appreciate where we are right now, we don't appreciate the past, where we've come from, we're going to always want to escape our daily lives. And that could be through food. That could be through still chasing the same faulty tools that haven't worked for us. Every single time I have a conversation with someone, I come up with these amazing analogies. So I hope that you actually write them down and try to make a link with my situation to something that happened with you. But so many people need holidays from holidays because they're still busy as hell. They're still trying to do too much. They're still trying to put too much on their plate. And the same when you get to any goal, you're still trying to do too much. You haven't slowed down. You haven't taken a step back to actually ask yourself, what do I really want from this? Well, one of the things I've found too is uh, a lot of us, including me, and man, I did this so much. So I'm not speaking from moral high ground. I'm speaking from experience. Um, we don't realize how useless we actually are and how little we actually know. So like if, if you're in a position where you, you want to lose some body fat, change your physique, you have an athletic goal and you're not very experienced um, and you've never really attained what it is that you think your potential is and or what you want, you're probably going to have to set very benign goals that make you feel like a little child. And that's why you'll make a justification as to why you don't want to do them, but you should. So like, for instance, you know, like if I, if I ever tell someone like, Hey, maybe like you're in a position where like, we need to take 
some walks after meals, like three or four times a week in the evening. We need to make sure you're getting your water in and we need to make sure that you're hitting one, one to two workouts a week. And we're just going to start there. And, you know, and depending how far someone has to go, to go, but, and what their goals are. And then the, the response to that is almost horrifying all the time. It's, it's, it's like, as if you're telling them to do something of tremendous effort because they fight the fact that like, that's not enough. And it's like, yeah, but you're not doing this basic amount now. So that would be an addition to what you're doing, you know, cause like, it's not about what you can do really hard for two weeks. And if I had a piece of general advice, it's figure out how you're going to figure out how to keep this in your life forever. And like, I wish that I had paid a little bit more attention because what happened to me is I did this for like six years and I was, I was at a point where I was burnt out from fitness because I lived like this. It's how I understand how to help people so much. And I took a couple of years off like social media and everything. I didn't really, you know, I was doing my supplement source stuff, but I wasn't doing much coaching or anything like that. And I just basically developed my psychology. Like that's all I did. I did a lot of therapy. I am very obsessive. So I, I studied a lot of psychology. Um, and anyway, all of a sudden, when I started to get very serious about my fitness about 18 months ago again, not that I wasn't serious, but where I really started to concrete, I had some, I had laid out some concrete goals with this new sort of me, this new being, this new mindset that I'd created. Um, I realized that like, wow, I don't really have these internal tyrant dialogues going on about food or like how much I, how hard I worked out today. And like all these weird things that I used to obsess about were just all gone. And I was like, this is so quiet in my head. It's so peaceful, you know? And of course, like I, if I, I get pissed off, if I, you know, have a week where I only hit a couple workouts, it's, it's still like, let's say bothers me, you know, but like, I don't punish myself or, you know, like it's just so much nicer and more pleasant to understand that you're going to have peaks and valleys. And you just learn to do the best you can in spite of your situation, not instead of, right? And that's kind of that, that looking for, how do you say, a justification, you know, when I get this thing, what, when it's that time, when it's the new year, when these people do this, then I'll be able to do it. No, just figure out how to do something now, even if it's not what you think is going to be the plan to get you to the goal line, but it, get in the ring, get on the field and get out of the stands and start doing and do something that you can actually do with the skill level that you actually have. I love that bit. Get in the ring and do the thing with the skill level you have now, like meet yourself where you're at. And it's like, I already talked about this in the other two podcasts, so I won't mention it again, except the fact that just because you're starting something doesn't mean that you have to do everything all at once because you're going to achieve nothing. It's actually like, even though you think you're aiming at to get everything done, you're actually aiming at nothing because you realistically cannot aim at everything. It is not like, it's not in our human nature to overhaul our whole lives like that. And that's the thing, like we need to stop justifying the stories that are not serving us. And I was trying to think of whose page I saw it on, but there's a, there was something floating around saying sometimes actually eating a little bit more and doing a little bit less resting a little bit more even though it seems really simple it's actually the hardest thing to do because it challenges our identity and it challenges our psyche but 
that's the thing. Like it's because we're so now focused as humans, we don't realize that no place we're in right now is permanent. It's almost like when we're feeling depressed, not actual depression, but when we're feeling depressed or sad or anxious or whatever it is, we get so overwhelmed about that thing. And like, it's the end of the world because we don't see that there's an out. We don't see that the light's going to come up the next day. Like I used to get so worked up about this to the point where I couldn't sleep at night because I used to have the worst anxiety in the world. I still suffer anxiety, but it's nothing like that because I'm always like, no, brain dump. If I'm stressed, I know, I know from however many days I've been living on this earth, as soon as the sun comes up, I feel so much better after a good sleep. Everything centers around that sleep. If I have a shitty sleep, that's not going to change the day before. So brain dump. Make sure that you have a good quality sleep because you will always feel better in the morning and it's always a fresh chance to rewrite that story and stop justifying the same bullshit because we do have peaks and valleys. But if you spend too much time living in the valley, and by that I mean mentally living in the valley because you could be up here, but you're still mentally down here, all you're going to know is failure and that's not giving you any, like, like you said with the just getting started, just get your foot in the door. You need to give yourself that confidence that you can do the thing because most of us, yeah, this is the most important part because most of us have done shit that doesn't work, that doesn't stick, that makes us feel like failures, like we can't do anything, like we're useless, like we always get in shitty relationships, whatever it is, all we can see is that failure that we don't think we can do it again. So I wanted like that willpower thing. I When I started running, it was because I hate running. And I remember listening to this neuroscience, Andrew Huberman, saying you need to reward the process. So every time I ran around the same block to get my kilometers in, I'm like, no, nah, I just got another corner to do and another corner to do and one more corner and then I've done another kilometer. And then I just need to do that three more times. And then I do it and I'm like, then now it's two more times. You need to reward the process and you need to make the next action step something that you're looking forward to. Because if you're just looking over here, it's that much like, you know, the psychology of this. So maybe you can bring that into what you bring, want to bring into next. But holy shit, I can actually do that is the thing you want to aim for. And if you're going to start your first stride sky high, you're never going to reach it. And you're never going to say, holy shit, I can actually do that. So yeah, that's why it's super important. You know, using your analogy, if you had set the target on 10 blocks at the corner and then another 10 blocks, and then another 10 blocks and another 10. By the time you got halfway through, your brain would start to think like, fuck, I'm really tired. This is sucky. You know, like you would get through five and there's not, there's no positive emotion there because you're just using willpower. There's no, I want to break this down into an evolutionary analogy because it helps people understand it. And because we have very good instincts that we've learned not to trust, which is weird to me. But like, if we went back a little bit of time and you and I were having to hunt for our food and, and or forage because we can you know vegans want their their place in the in the map too so like and or forage so let's just use for this analogy that we were we went out on a hunt we had injured an animal and we found a blood trail and then we came to a fork in the road and one trail we could see some blood dots going down and the other trail had nothing and you and I were standing there deciding what to do if you told me hey, you know what, I'm going to take this trail 
with no blood because I feel like that's going to work. Both of us, our psyches would be screaming at us internally because there's no positive emotion. We could be dead tired, not have eaten for three days. And when we see that blood trail, we will get an instant serotonin and dopamine spike, which will provide some norepinephrine, which will continue us to walk through the dreaded snow because we know that there's probably a chance we're going to get to eat. And the bigger the goal or the the bigger the consequence if you don't attain the goal, the more positive emotion you're going to drive. So lastly, when you don't set up your positioning to your current skill set, you never derive that chemical positive emotion because you'd never hit those markers as Ruby said. So it's very, very important to strategize your way to, that's why I tell my clients, I'm building you guys a map and everyone's map is different. And how you follow that and what it's going to entail, and what mountainous terrain you're going to come through. And I try to tell people there isn't a rosy path. There's paths of snakes and there's paths of crocodiles. And we're always going to have these things and hurdles and life's going to come up. So that's why it's super important to learn to amalgamate your fitness and, and nutrition goals the best you can into the lifestyle you have now. Understanding that as your lifestyle changes, your fitness regimens may have to change. And that's why we can't live and die by the sword, you know, where people will say like, okay, I go to the gym on uh, at three o'clock every day. And then they, maybe they do that really well, but then all of a sudden they get a job where they're working nights and then they still try to keep that same structure and everything falls apart. Well, you need to re the map is no longer clear and the target is no longer clear for us to walk towards. So that's when you need to do a re-aim, right? So you made a lot of good points there. It's, um, it's, one of the things that's the hardest to get people to focus on, honestly, it's super hard. But I tell people all the time, especially dealing with anxiety, I help so many people conquer minor anxiety by gra gradual exposure to the things that they don't want to do. So like, for instance, a lot of the reason I get good buy-in and good retention with my clients. So like, for instance, I do all of my exercise training like form analysis videos, I do that in a group setting. So you have to put yourself out there in front of a bunch of other people showing your exercises, even when you're only two, I don't care if you've only been exercising for two weeks. And then when I give you a progressionable target and I say, look, because I progress everyone differently, right? So if it's an athlete, it might be like a load-based goal, a very specific mechanics-based goal all the way down to someone's just learning how to lift. And I'm like, hey, we just need to move our arm here. We just need to adjust this here. And, I'll, and then I'll tell them, I want to see it next week. Show me. Well, next week, if you come back and you say, I didn't do it and or I repeated the same mistakes over again, you have to showcase that to an entire culture of people. And that makes people buy in and stay on their shit because it becomes important. And there's a reason. So I tell them, if you handle your daily stressors, you don't have to stress about the future. People stress about the future because most of the time they've abdicated responsibility for the things they know they should be doing and they're not doing it. You know, like if you know you have to get your taxes done and you've known for a month, and I don't know how you guys do your taxes there, but I'm assuming there's some kind of tax procedure and that stresses everyone out because no one likes dealing with the government. I see your guys' government from what I understand of it recently <laughs> but but any but anyway um 
you know, that's that's something that's like in the back of your mind. And then you keep procrastinating, you put it and put that off. And you do that with getting change in your car and you do that with your fitness and you do it with getting your groceries and you do it with, you know, some of the, maybe the other kind of like psychological and or educational goals you have. You do it with the job that you have, just doing the bare minimum at work instead of trying to figure out how to become the best, most valuable person there. So you're rewarded for it. Well, if you start to handle those things, that transcends into people's life and that transcendence effect, you brought it up a little earlier. We're like, that's how you can take things that skills you've learned that maybe you learned in the gym. Maybe you learned them in learning nutrition. Maybe you learned it in university and you can put that into your family. You can put that into your job. These, these skills diverge into all areas of your life and the roots take hold of it. Cause you realize like, Holy shit, look at, I never imagined that I could get in the gym and do X, Y, Z things. And over a month I took baby steps and I did it. Imagine what I would do at work. If I took the same work ethic and drive and drove it into my career, all of a sudden you start telling people, you know, like, hey, be the first one to, sh to show up at work. When there's extra work, don't complain, do it. When your coworkers aren't doing their work, you should be happy. That's an opportunity to eat their lunch. I've literally gotten by in life with no education, no formal education and done okay for myself with this exact work ethic that's that's the difference right and when that starts to happen people's lives change very rapidly all of a sudden their home life is better their sleep is better their libido is better their training better and it's just a check and balance of dominoes usually if i can get someone to buy in for six months their life has changed at this point which is really cool for me as a as a you know a functional health coach I, I, it's one of the most rewarding things about my job it's never mind seeing all the physical result, you know, like, okay, that's really cool. Someone got jacked, but like what they did with their life because they learned how to manage their psychology, their physiology and their work ethic. Wow. That's, that's it for me. It, there's so much I want to say is trying some of this up. There's just so much. Okay. So the map thing I love because it's, I'm like, you're following a map. Everyone has a different location. Everyone has a different starting point. Everyone has different shoe wear, different clothes, different car, whatever the hell it is. Everyone has a different size map, whatever. You, you can't see ahead of time because you haven't yet traveled it. There are obvious roadblocks and landmarks and things you know that will pop up, but there's a lot more that may come up and the maps don't take that shit into consideration because think about it. The map is like biology. It's what our evolution told us about like, well, it's what science tells us about how our bodies react to certain things, muscle building, our journey, fat loss, whatever it is, we have that on the path. But all the other stuff that society puts in the way, environment, politics, relationships, all that shit, we don't see that along the way, but we still have to take that into consideration. North is north. You know where north is. The destination isn't clear at the moment because you come into it with preconceived beliefs that you want this weight goal that you want to lose weight, you want to lose this much or be this weight, but it, that, it, you're still traveling north. But the thing is, you're going to learn, you're going to experience, you're going to go backwards, you're going to go forwards. North is still north and it gets clearer through experience, through traveling the distance, but nothing's going to get traveled if you want everything to be perfect, if you want everything to be spick and span, no struggles, no bloody wolves coming at you. Like you're never yeah. going to travel. You're never going to get clear on that north and you're never going to travel forward because 
when it's blurry, you're easier to, it's easier to say, I'm not really sure I want it. But once it becomes so clear how you want to show up, how you want to feel, how you want your life to be, your mind, your body, your social life, your relationships, your emotional stability. When you get clear on how you want that to look, you're more likely to keep going. And it's taken me five years to get to that place, maybe six, because it's only really the last year and now this year where I I might hate my training sessions because they freaking grill, grill me now to the point where it's like... Who does 15 reps each leg on a freaking Bulgarian split squat with a three-second pause in the bottom? Like, who does that shit? And then you do 20 reps on a bloody leg press with a five-second eccentric. Who does that shit? (laughs) I just have to have a rant. That's the worst. It's like, I hate it. But I do it, and I look forward to every single gym session. Hate it in the moment, but I look forward to every single one because I love how I feel after it. I'm the person that doesn't quit, the person that doesn't give up. I'm the person that cares about putting myself first for that one hour, four times a week, maybe 90 minutes if it takes me that long to recover from those freaking Bulgarians. But the point is when you get so clear on your process, your direction, the person you are becoming and how it makes you feel inside and how it's impacting other areas of your life and how you're showing up, you don't need willpower. You don't need motivation. And you don't need to worry about having a day off or having something sabotage a few days of your week because you know that you're the person that's going to get right back on track because of the things that it brings you. And this is why I want, I want you to sum it up with confidence and why confidence is so important because I know so many girls that fail over and over again because they're never confident to put themselves out there. They're never confident enough to just do the thing. They end up in toxic relationships, toxic jobs. They put themselves into jobs that they're probably overqualified for or that they, they, they shoot low because they're not confident that they can actually get up here. Like, yeah, that's a, yeah, I that's, want a good, that. that's a good, really good point. Um, so we do this a lot, like through the human species and the, gender female does it more and i've dissected this idea a lot of we'd have to get here two more hours to really get to the bottom of this but i've pulled this idea apart so many times because i would ask myself questions like how come everyone seems like so hell-bent on you know getting instantaneous results and how come people will do the same diet strategy that failed three times and we talked about this beginning. It's there's some food system stuff. There's instant gratification society stuff, but deep down underneath all of that at the bedrock, what I think it is, is it becomes really easy to justify quitting. And if you don't have any self-confidence, that's a scapegoat you'll be looking for automatically because you, something like this, if you said, said to me right now, Hey, Dylan, I have a goal. Um, I want to, uh, join, uh, beat my old powerlifting record, let's say, and you say, here's what I'm going to do. I've hired, I've hired a top powerlifting coach. We've got my nutrition dialed. We've got my supplement styled. We've got, you know, I know how to train. 
we're going to try and progress using this method of overload over 24 weeks. And you have a very clear plan that's going to have bumps in the road because you are not a robot, you're a human being, but you have a clear plan that looks like it's probably going to get you to what you want if things semi work out the way we want. Now, if you said to me, and then you told everybody that, sorry to take that next step, or that you told everyone, you showed everyone, it's like, holy fuck, okay, you got a plan there. And, you know, if you follow through on that, you probably end up where you got to go. Versus if you just told everyone, you know, I think I'm going to beat my old powerlifting records. I'm just going to go to the gym and do random workouts and hopefully I end up stronger. And then when you get to the end of that, you just kind of tell everyone, ah, it didn't work out. Like I, you know, and it's really easy just to brush off because the full responsibility was actually never taken. And I think that stems, the point of that, even bringing that up is from a lack of confidence and how you build confidence is repetition and proving to yourself that you can do something that you thought was scary and that or, and or challenged you, but you're going to have to start smaller than what you think that because lot. you're way more useless than what you think, <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that in a degrading way at all. I mean it with a lot of care. I mean, you know, if you've struggled with your weight for a long time, it's like you have no skills. You have nothing. If you have children or have you ever been around children or a puppy, that's you. When a puppy is trying to be trained to go outside and you're like, why the fuck don't you just go outside? I told you five times now, you know, like I just went through raising a puppy. I still am. So, you know, you feel like, but to him, it's like, he's literally never seen outside, <laughs> you know, like, or never done xyz pattern that you're expecting not once never seen it never lived it how would he know you know it takes way more effort it's repetition you, they have an accident and you say okay no you got to do it like this you do it again you do it again you do it again and then hopefully eight months later you've gotten some more skills to be able to take on a little bit more and a little bit more and that's how you build up your confidence and in fact you ruin your confidence every time we try and like you said step up five steps at a time and fall all the way back down to the bottom. That hurts like hell. And it's really hard to get up again. If you do that, especially five or six times, which is why you'll, we'll, we run into women who are like absolutely hopeless. Like they're completely shattered, you know, especially health cases that haven't been looked after properly. So there's a, there's a client issue in these cases. And then there's also like a professional issue where no one's, had the skill set to actually help their physiological problems, man, they are really beat up because they've probably tried five or six different times, you know, raw, raw to get fired up and use a bunch of motivation just to end up right back or worse than where they started. Like human beings don't thrive in that, you know, like if you went to work every day and something got screwed up every time, you know, for a month straight, it would be hard to keep going after a while. This is exactly what happens to people in their fitness, where it becomes a job or a chore or something that they have to do instead of looking forward to the challenges it presents and expecting the adaptations to take place. This is why it's so important to not only have a coach that actually cares, but to have patience. And like you said, stop sacrificing the future for the now. Because you're going to have to realize that if you are feeling in that place and you've tried all the things, you need to slow down a little and allow yourself to build the confidence in the small steps and to restore where you are at now because you can't really move forward without that. And you can't really move, like, you can't fix any problem with the same mindset and approach that caused it. 
it's the most like that that's so well known yet people still try to do it and this this is why confidence is so important as like as a wrap-up of everything I think the biggest thing is awareness and being aware of where you currently at and where you are moving because if you are not aware of your own faults if you are not aware of your own repetitive actions and the way you're using the tools like I had someone say to me that they're just that they wish they never dieted because now that's the only way they see it I'm like well, actually, no, dieting is the most positive thing in the world because it allows you to actually be healthier and be fitter. But it's the way that you're using the tool. Like, stop seeing dieting as restrictive. If you stop seeing it in that way and using it the wrong way, it's not a bad tool. You're just, like, you're the meaning that nothing has a meaning until you give it one. So being aware of what meaning you give things, what, what like, what are you willing to do to get to where you want to be? Because sometimes what, you, what you're willing to do, you think is everything, but you need to actually be willing to slow down. Because everyone asks the question, what are you willing to do to get your results? Oh, I'll do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You, you'll do everything. Let's start small. That's everything. Like sometimes everything means the very first step. Yeah, one of my, one of my mentors once said to me too, um, you know, doing whatever it takes means the shit you don't want to do also, you know? So that means like, Hey, if it's time for a restore phase and you have, an, you have a menorrhea as a female and you have some hormonal physiological issues, it's not time to worry. It's not dying time. That's what time it is. It's not time to lose weight. That's, that's a benign goal. You know, it's like, there's things that take precedence and that's what doing whatever it takes means. Not just being willing to do cardio after work every day to lose X amount of pounds. That's not the full picture. I love that. That That's so true. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up in a nutshell. You actually summed it up really well. Is I'm going to leave your Instagram below. Is there anything else that you want to put down below? I do want to say that it's funny because Dylan actually owns a whole shitload of supplement stores. And I don't think we mentioned once a single supplement in this whole conversation and how you get your goal physique because none of that shit matters until you have these basics in. And the only things you need are, I, are the basics that everyone pretty much should know if you follow either one of us, which is magnesium, your vitamin D. Vitamin D is like crucial. You, you can take creatine if you want. Multivitamins help. I don't know whether you also, whether you say omega uh, I don't force any of my clients to take anything because I am who I am. A lot of them do because they're coming to me to like learn about this and it's interesting. But I, if someone was like, Hey, I want to take um, a glucose disposal agent and they haven't even nailed down hitting their carbohydrate timing and amount in a day, it's like, no, it's not time for glucose disposal agents. It's time for just eat your glucose when you're supposed to eat it. We'll do that first and then we'll figure out how to dispose of it. You know? What a perfect way to sum all, like that actually sums up this whole conversation. Perfect. See what, see what we mean? See what we mean? Like there is no point trying to start at step five if you haven't started at step one. You need to be, you need to know and be aware of where you are right now, what you need for the next step to keep the ball, ball rolling and make the small wins, get the small wins, get the quick wins, but also fail and be okay with failing because failing means you're trying and people need to get a better relationship with that. So with that, is there anything else that you want to say? 
Sir, no, I that's. Uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on, and you know, if you want to do it again sometime, we we more than likely can. I'm sure if there's a if there's a desire and or a a want for that. So, um, yeah, just thanks for having me on, and I hope everyone enjoyed. That was awesome. Thank you so much, and I will leave Dylan's Insta below. Don't forget to give this a little five star rating because Spotify also has it now, and share it with anyone who you think will benefit. Thank you.